This isn't Grandma's radio show. We talk about slobber knocking fights. Ground and pound. Rear naked chokes. Plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. It's coming up next, another brand new episode of Sucker Radio. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. I can't believe this can happen. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. No, I'm just joking. It's another brand new edition of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com as well as LastWordOnSports.com. Make sure you check out that website after you're finished listening to this wicked podcast. I have two fantastic, fantastic, fantastic guests for your listening pleasure. Joining me first will be a guy named Shane Teeter. He is the executive producer behind Mask, the documentary flick made by Bobby Razek about Charles Mask Lewis's life. This one is one that you guys need to check out. You guys need to get on over to Vimeo and uh, rent or buy this flick because, man, it is a touching one. This one will bring a tear to your eye. It'll put goosebumps on your arms and the back of your neck. You're going to want to watch this movie. So head on over to Vimeo, check it out, or Google Mask uh, Documentary, because, uh, yeah, just check it out. You're going to love this interview as well with Shane Teeter. Also joining me is a girl named Unstoppable, Angela Lee, won championship. She is the queen of submissions. She pulled off a friggin' twister in her last match. She is 3-0, and she returns to the cage for the fourth time in 2015, December 11th. So I will chat with her about her background, I will chat with her about her future, and I will chat with her about this upcoming fight, which includes, on the same fight card, her brother Christian. Pretty damn cool story. So it is fight week, yet again. UFC Fight Night 79 goes down from Seoul, Korea. Benson Henderson versus Jorge Masvidal in the main event. This one's an early one, folks. Uh, I don't know how many North Americans are going to wake up to watch this. But uh, yeah, Benson Henderson, Jorge Masvidal main event. Dong Hyun Kim times two. Pretty interesting that there's two Dong Hyun Kims on this same friggin' card. Um, Takes on Dominic Waters in the co-main event. Sexyama, Yoshihiro Akiyama takes on Alberto Mina. Sam Cecilia takes on Du Ho Choi. Dongi Yang takes on Jake Collier. Um, and I'm not sure whether that's the start of the main card or not, but there's some. Uh, it's a lot of local talent. Um, Koreans, Japanese, you know, a lot of the Asian talent is on this card. So if you want to wake up early, this is a fight card for you. I'm not going to talk about much else. Um, just before I get to this interview, I'd like to thank my sponsors, Unique Kennels. Um, check them out at Unique Kennel 71. Make sure you check out proambelts.ca or .com. Sorry, .ca. Proambelts.com for all your championship belt needs and floathouse.ca for all your sensory deprivation tank needs. So I'm going to get right into my first interview with executive producer of Mask, Shane Teeter, right after this. <laughs> 
This guy is the man behind a company you may have heard of, Street Made, and more recently, he is the executive producer behind the highly acclaimed documentary Mask about Charles Mask Lewis. He is Shane Teeter. Shane, thanks for joining me today, man. Yeah, glad to be here, and uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Definitely. Now, Mask is a guy that, you know, a lot of the mixed martial arts community um, grew up with. I mean, he, he's the man behind Tap Out. He's a guy that was such a polarizing figure within the sport um, from the inception of MMA up through to the big days when, like, you know, Brock Lesnar and all these guys were in the UFC. And then the terrible accident happened and, and his life was taken from us. Just talk about your initial memories of Mask and, and how this movie has made you feel even more so towards the man named Mask. Yeah, no problem, man. It's wild you, you asked that, because my story to get involved with this whole film is kind of interesting as it goes. I remember uh, 2009, you know, hearing of Charles' death, and I wasn't like a huge... I was into MMA as a fan, you know, back in the day, but I wasn't like a participating athlete or anything of the sort. I wasn't involved in the scene. And uh, I watched, of course, the tap out reality show and whatnot and, you know, kind of just vibed with Charles a little bit, man, you know, like he had that just aura about him where like, you know, he inspired you in a way. So, um, 2009, finding out about that at the time I found out I was in the process of moving to California with this whole vision of having my own clothing line. Cause I was running a, uh, a t-shirt printing company back in the Midwest and I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to move out there and get involved. And, um, you know, seeing as Mass being one of the pioneers, of course, he kind of led the way with the whole, you know, selling out of the trunk of your car type of mentality. So, of course, you know, I thought I could follow that and follow Mass's footsteps. And then when we lost him, it was just kind of, it's kind of crazy, crazy times, you know. It felt like almost that type of the apparel industry was kind of in flux after Mass left because, you know, Tapout was like the go-to brand for NMA apparel. And then it wasn't too long after... Um, year or so later, I was kind of going with Street Made, and we were doing the trade shows, and I actually grew up with Matt Mitrione, so um, I was kind of in the Indianapolis scene between him and Chris Lytle and really trying to, you know, market the brand that way, and I met Bobby Razik at the Denver airport. Um, my wife had introduced herself to him on Twitter, and they kind of went back and forth, and it just so happened he was at the, he was at one of the bars in the in the airport, like right next to where we were, we were standing. So she tweeted him and was like, Hey Bobby, you know, it'd be an honor to meet you. Whatnot. But, you know, crazy <laughs> Englishman comes running out of the bar and we kind of hit it off from there. And, uh, as the story goes, we ended up kind of, you know, creating a relationship. I went down to LA to visit him a few times. He told me about this project and I was kind of blown away, you know, kind of like, Whoa, I could be involved in a project talking about Charles, who was almost kind of like a, a role model to me in a sense, or someone that just, you know, he had the balls to go and do and didn't sit back and, you know, wait for the right opportunity or nothing. He just kind of just made his own way. So um, after seeing that, Bobby kind of, he was like, hey, man, here's my vision. You know, this is what I'd like to do if you can be involved. And I scratched and clawed and really <laughs> borrowed money from everyone I could and came up with enough to get involved with the project. And, you know, it's, it's been an honor ever since, and me and Bobby worked really, really hard. I mean, this thing took like four years to come together and 
man, we went through so many struggles, like on the distribution end, trying to figure out the best home for it and like, you know, how we could really, our real goal at the end of the day, man, was just to tell Charles a story. Yeah. That was really it, you know, because we were both so inspired by it. We felt like, you know, everyone really needed to see this and this, this pioneer of MMA, you know, shouldn't be forgotten. Now, I, I dove right in there with that question. I, I want to sort of get a backstory of you. You you spoke about, you know, Street Made and stuff like that, but let's talk about the film side of things. Like, this is, is this your first executive producer gig altogether? Like, had you worked in it, film or anything in the past? No, sir. This is my first one, man. Jumps, jumps right in. That that's crazy, and and how did you find? I mean, yeah, you and Bobby hooked up, and you met each other, and and the film got made, and everything. You spoke about struggles. Was the executive producer side of things, and the fact that you hadn't done any of this stuff, a bit of a struggle as well? Oh, totally. It totally was. You know, like uh, I was trying to read books to keep up with the industry to figure out what I even got myself into, and don't doubt, man, there was. There was many times I was like, "Oh man, you know, like, am I in over my head? What, <laughs> you know, like?" Do you think? Do you do you think? Here? Do you think Bobby thought that as well? No, I don't think so at all. Like me and me and Bobby just have the same type of mentality, you know. Like it's the type of thing that you wouldn't you wouldn't come out and tell each other. You know that you're both just trying to figure it out on your own, but that you're gonna get it done at the end of the day. That same type of you know attitude Charles really had about everything. You know, I don't, I don't. I don't think like a really great entrepreneur is the guy who knows everything and takes every calculated risk that he can. I think it's the guy that sometimes just willing to put himself out there and knows that he's smart enough to figure it out as he goes. Yeah, and that's what it is. I, I know myself, I, I dabble in doing some filmmaking as well. I told you that via text message earlier today. And I, mm-hmm. with that filmmaking, I, I've spoken to many people in various industries, one of which a, a tattoo artist buddy of mine, who asked me, did you go to school for it? Did you get any training? And I, I basically said, no, I'm self-taught. I did it all myself. And he said, good. That's the way to right. do it. If you go to school, you're going to regress. You're, you're going to go and you're going to be that cookie-cutter image. So going out and doing this totally. stuff the way you've done it, it is the way to do it, man. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was happy to learn this way. I feel like, you know... Uh throughout my life I've just been one of those type of learners you know if you you tell me not to touch stuff so I'm probably going to go touch it and just be like oh okay you know like I learned from it don't get me wrong but I need to learn through experience that's just that's just how I roll now I was listening to um, Ariel Helwani's show yesterday and uh, one of the tab out guys was on was on the episode and he was talking about how this movie was actually being filmed while Charles was still alive initially. Um, not exactly the mask story the way it is this one. Um, but did you know about that story prior to uh, getting involved in this? Um, no, you know, um, yeah, I'll be I'll be honest, man. I I didn't I didn't quite understand all of that. I heard the the interview as well. You know, I really appreciate you know dan taking the time and getting out there on ariel's show like ariel gave us a lot of love on that show that was awesome you know because the film deserves the film and bobby deserve so much credit from charles's story which is incredibly inspirational and just the human interest side of it not even just the mma part but you know just him as a person and then bobby's vision to put it together is unreal but, to, you know, man, to, to answer your question, no, I, no, and I asked Bobby about it today, man. You know, I was like, 
uh, you know, what was up with, you know, I know underdogs because, you know, if you were, you know, an MMA fan, you, you knew what underdogs yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. And then so I asked him, I was like, was, you know, Matt starting off at that? And, you know, he he was like, you know, not, not to the best of my knowledge, you know, like <laughs> this was something we, you know, Bobby's vision wanted to create. This was, this was all about him. And if anything could have been added to that interview with Ariel, you know, I would have gave Bobby some more love, man. I mean, this was his his baby from the get go, and like I've been with him through all the struggles. I know exactly what Bobby went through to you know to to make this film, and it it cost us a lot more than we thought. You know, we we cut corners where we could, but Bobby put his heart and soul into this one. Like I saw that dude more emotional, you know, when we screened it for certain people than I'd ever seen him before. So I mean, that tells you when someone's putting their heart out there like that, like it's going to be a, a, a good piece of work. How much creative control did the other two guys from Tap Out have over this, if any at all? Yeah, no, none whatsoever. That's that's so cool that Bobby and yourself had so much to put behind this. I mean, the story itself leading off the documentary, I mean, you see a whole bunch of the backstory. You see guys that, that started out with, with Mask, with Charles uh, in the penitentiary or, or whatever it was that he was involved with. Leading through, I mean, how cool was it to speak with all these guys that knew him on different levels? Oh, it was it was outstanding, you know, to to hear people's impact, especially in like the interview process. You know, when you're when you're creating the documentary and someone's sitting down and saying, "Hey, you know, Bobby Radzik's about to interview you and ask these questions," like it just brings out a lot of emotion. You know, I mean, and you can tell in the film when people are talking about Charles, you know, these, the emotion that comes out, you know. Like Josh Barnett's interview was amazing. You know, I thought that was one of the the best pieces we could have added to it. And then when you have people like Joker and, you know, even Scrape and Dan, everyone talking, man, it was just like, you can't hide back the emotion when, it, when it's, you know, comes to interview time and you're talking about some someone like that who had such an impact on your life. You know, it was it was really impressive to see the interviews when it was done and then how Bobby's vision kind of crafted it into you know, just being a beautiful film, in my opinion, I, I thought it was pretty amazing how it all came together. Did you ever, I mean, you said Mask was an inspiration. Did you ever get a chance to meet him while he was still around? Man, it's crazy. One time Bobby asked me that same question, that when, like one of the first few times we sat down. The only time I ever met the dude was in, I was in Las Vegas one time. Uh, it was probably in 2008, early 2009, one of those events. And, you know, they were heading to the event. We were heading to the event. And here, here they came. You know, you knew the tap-out crew when they were walking through. Yeah. Me, you know, and uh, here they come. I just stopped him real quick, and I was like, Charles, what's up, man? You know, and he just gave me a bunch of love, gave me a pound and a hug, and we kept doing their thing. But it was just like, man, right on. You know, like, got to meet Charles. That was, crossed that one off the list. That was pretty cool. So doing this movie, though, do you, do you wish that you had more of a involvement and, and, you know, more of a relationship with the guy? You know, to be honest with you, that's a really good question. That's a really good question, by the way. And my answer would be no. Um, I I am sure he was an exceptional human being and someone that was probably really hard to like at times and also you <laughs> loved him more than any. But I'm glad I got to kind of know him through this process. And um, I don't know, in a way, you know, like everything else that happened with Tap Out, the company going and Anytime, like, all that business and stuff gets involved, you know, it kind of, like, it kind of casts, like, a black cloud on things. It's not always as easy to get to know someone. So kind of meeting him and learning about him through this experience, I felt was a lot more pure 
and a way to really get to know who he was as, as a person, you know, not like the businessman or not the brand. You know, I felt like I got to see part of Charles through these interviews and through um, the voice recordings. It was like really the person that he was. So you said, as we said, we touched on it already. You you talked about struggles and whatnot. The the documentary is now available on Vimeo to rent and to buy. Um, this obviously wasn't the initial way or the initial route that you guys had wanted to go, was it? You know, we were really open to uh, to the best way that we could figure out. And throughout the last few years, too, you know, there's been such changes in um, in the industry in general, you know, like how films are put out now. And you have platforms like Vimeo, even YouTube to a sense. Uh, there's another platform, VH, uh, VHX, you know, where you can self-distribute you know, distribute your product. And it, it's making it a lot easier for, you know, independent artists. But then, you know, we wanted it to go, like, as big as possible, but at the same time remain in control of our own product. And, um, like, you know, I say struggle because we had to learn a lot as we went, you know, dealing with contracts and different distributors. And, you know, you could just see how it could turn really dirty at the end of the day. Yeah. And so when, you know, it was about probably about a year ago or so, um, Bobby and I were kind of watching it. You know, we'd always been a fan of like Billy Corbin and some of his work. And I think Bobby got to meet him on uh, one of Josh Gross's podcasts and, um, you know, another independent documentary guy. And, you know, we just always paid attention to what was going on in the industry. And we were hearing different contracts and different deals for a long time. They all just seemed off to us. You know, it didn't seem like it was just the right route to go. We just didn't feel it in the gut kind of. And so when, um, the Vimeo deal came around, we were like, you know what? You know, cause we kind of look, we looked into it on our own and uh, on their website. And we're just like, man, let's, let's try and contact them. Then we started going back and forth and uh, Vimeo was really into it, obviously because of the, you know, the explosion of MMA, the brand tap out and everything being involved. And we got, uh, got to speaking with them and they're like, yeah, you know, if you guys want to put it here, we'll, we'll help you market it and we'll try and get it out there for you. So we figured that, that was a good place to start where we're kind of in charge of our own product and our, our own grassroots marketing campaign in a way. So that way we can really build it and you know kind of see where it goes from here. So it could land on other platforms in the future? Yeah, we hope so, man. We, we'd like to see it on Netflix, you know, iTunes, and uh, we'll go from there. But uh, this was like the best place to get it started. Um, Vimeo's got an, an excellent digital platform. You know, from everything we looked at, it's a, a really good way to go about getting your product out there in a way that, you know, there's not going to be any hiccups or, you know, websites failing, anything like that. So we want to start here, and then we'll start to look for uh, some different deals probably in, in the new year, some more areas for people to be able to watch it, possibly a Netflix or an iTunes or something along those lines. That'd be awesome. Now, the obvious goal of the movie was to get... Charles's story out there, um, and and you say Vimeo 100%. was the best way to do it, um, money wise and everything. Uh, did you ultimately get what you wanted out of this story? Yeah, I believe so. I believe we really did. Um, I don't think anyone could have told it better than Bobby. I don't think anyone could have told it other than Bobby. To be honest with you, you know him being involved in the tap out films, uh, him knowing Charles on a personal level. Um, I think we made the right decision to, you know, do what we did as far as distribution is concerned and also keep our uh, independent kind of integrity, I guess you would say, as far as the film was. 
you know, instead of having to go to anyone else's um, type of genre or make it cookie cutter, you know, we were able to still show who Charles was, which, you know, we're not going to hold back anything. And MMA, especially back then, was wild, and Charles was a pretty wild dude. So, like, to get to know him and to tell his story, you, you know, you had to be able to show it that way. And I, I think Bobby did an excellent job of that. So after all said and done, you guys have wrapped things up. Um, the movie is out there for all to see. What was the biggest thing that you learned from this whole process? Man, really, the biggest thing I learned, again, another good question, man, well done. Um, <laughs> I would say the biggest thing I learned, we kind of touched on earlier, was really just, man, to believe in yourself. You know, um, Charles, there's this quote, man, Charles says it's a, I think it's a, towards the end of the film where he says, man, to, you know, to, to find that real buried treasure, the one the pirates was looking for, you got to get down that deep ocean. You know, and there was so many times through, you know, going through this process with Bobby, like I felt like I was in some deep ocean waters, like, whoa, yeah, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, but that's kind of like, that's, that would be my biggest lesson I learned from it. You know, because sometimes you just got to go do and believe in yourself enough to put yourself out there a little bit and not be afraid to fail. You know, just, just go after it. Whatever comes, comes, you know, like the universe, it works in mysterious ways and, and, if you believe in something and put your heart into it, I think, you know, good things will follow that. You know, you're going to screw up along the way. That's the way it is, man. That's life, you know. But you, you learn from those things and you keep moving forward. And I think Charles was a huge inspiration for me to doing that. And then just going through this process, I felt like I took a lot of learning curves, but learned a ton along the way. And now I can look back and say, I'm, I'm glad I did all that. Well, yeah, the story seemed to come together pretty cool for you. I mean, you meet Bobby at the airport. Um, you guys hook up, create the film. Um, it's all done. You guys are pushing it. Obviously, you're still going to continue to push the movie and uh, try and get it elsewhere. But what's next for Shane Teeter? Um, you know, we, me and Bobby still have a couple other projects we're working on. Uh, a couple we can't really talk about too much. And then um, one, I'm sure we put out trailers for the history of MMA. That's kind of be something that um, we've slowly been working on for years. You know, Bobby's had a ton of footage from back in the day that we've been stockpiling and new interviews coming and new people we've been working with. Uh, we're not exactly sure how that one's going to finish out, but uh, that's something we're, we're constantly working on right now. And then there's a couple, couple others in the vault that are slowly but surely getting developed as we speak. And then you'll be hearing about them in the near future. I'm sure. Let me ask you this then, if you hadn't have met Bobby in that airport that day, do you think filmmaking would have been uh, in your future? No, I don't. Amazing. I, I think that's, that's really, so cool. That's a really easy question. No, I, uh, I wouldn't have thought that whatsoever. My wife's a photographer, too, so it's kind of crazy how it worked out. You know, like, you know, you see things through different lenses, and then you look back, and you're like, wow, I'm kind of working in the industry that, you know, you're behind that type of camera. It's, it's wild. But I would have never saw myself there. No, not, not at all. We said Street Made was your brand. Do you think that would have, I mean, I know you put that on the back burner. With, do you think that would have still been pushing forward? Yeah, no, no. And I'll tell you why. Because shortly after, this is another funny story, we were in Indianapolis helping uh, Mitrone open, uh, open a gym out there. Um, on his MMA gym, someplace for him to train at. And it was during the Super Bowl. We were heading to the, uh, the Playboy Mansion for some big party that Bobby liked. He had an invite to, he invited us, uh, us out there, and then we were going to the Magic Show, which is one of the biggest apparel trade show, you know, in the country, out in Vegas. 
And on our way, not on our way there, but like the day before we're leaving, my wife finds out she's pregnant. And she was, uh, it was only me and her running the company back then when it was the apparel side of it. So, you know, I was kind of hustling and making sales wherever I could. She was running the operation side. And then out of nowhere, we get hit with baby number one. That slows us down a year later. Out of nowhere, here we here comes baby number two. <laughs> so uh, it was it was a wild ride, man. In the middle of uh, making this film, and then the clothing side, and you know, once my wife got pregnant, I was out in California as an entrepreneur. You know, like I wasn't gonna leave her hanging, just you know, sitting with the kids. I was like, you know, I'm gonna put the the clothing on the back burner, slow down for a while, and try and finish this film out with Bobby and and do what I gotta do to pay the bills in the meantime. So, like, the clothing side, man, it, it just, it, it would have been way too hard and had to put family first. That's that's how we how we do things. Also seems like everything happens for a reason. Man, doesn't it? It's crazy, right? It is. It's absolutely insane. Now, I'm going to leave you with this. I want you to pitch the movie to our listeners right now. I mean, it is on Vimeo. You can rent it. You can buy it. You can do what you want to do on Vimeo. But I want you to pitch it to them and tell them why they should check it out. Great. I mean, hey, if you're a fan of MMA, you're about to watch one of the pioneers lead the way. You know, before before Dana, before Lorenzo, they're even in the film talking about Charles. I mean, if you if you want to see a story that is not only MMA related but a human interest story as well, then you need to check out Mask. I mean, it's it's an inspirational story about a man's life who who never took the easy road. He didn't take the conventional means of doing things. You know, he kind of beat to his own drum in a sense. And at the end of the day, man, I think that guy really left a legacy for not only his family, his friends, but anyone who watches this story, watches this film, is going to be touched by it. I mean, it's my, my dad, for instance, you know, doesn't know really hardly anything about MMA, but he, he sat down and watched the film and was almost moved to tears. You know, and you talk about a 75-year-old guy who's just like, wow, that's, that is a crazy, impressive story. Yeah, you know, and I think the, the more that it gets out there, the more that it's going to be more of a kind of a crossover type of film. Where, yeah, if you're an MMA fan, man, you're gonna dig it. You know, you're gonna see where a lot of the sport came from, and you're gonna see of one of the pioneers, the only non-fighter that's in the UFC Hall of Fame. I mean, come on, you know, that's outstanding there. And even if you're not a fan of MMA, if you like to be inspired, check out Mask, man. It's an outstanding film, well done by Bobby Rezik inspiration is is a key word right there. I know myself watching it, I got goosebumps plenty of times throughout the movie. I mean, you sitting there with these guys doing these interviews and whatnot, how many times did goosebumps come onto your arms with the way these guys are talking about Charles? I mean, it's it's absolutely oh, insane. Yeah, I mean, almost nonstop because you're you're dealing with it. It's kind of surreal. You know, you're you're listening to someone like, okay, I'm involved in this project, but you're listening to people talk about it, man, just in a way that like, you know, you hope that you would be talked about, you know, if you passed on or something, you know, so it kind of, it kind of made you think about life in a sense, like, man, I hope what I go people talk about me like this, because this guy really had an impact on people's lives, you know, it's not, and it's not just all about like, oh, he, you know, he blew up a business and he made a bunch of money, no, it's like, in his everyday dealings, he impacted these people, you know, he made them feel good about themselves as a person, or, or just life in general, you know, it's hard for all of us, but when you got someone there that's just that, that shoulder to lean on or maybe that stronger person when you need someone like that, man, that's an impact to have on someone. That's, it's a very powerful thing. 
Yes, it is. And I believe this interview was a very powerful thing. Uh, Shane, I, it's been a pleasure, man. I uh, really enjoyed having you on and speaking about the film, speaking about yourself and how you got involved with it. Um, just let people know where and if they want to, if they can catch up with you in social media after they're watching the film, if they, you know, they want to thank you for, for doing what you've done. Um, also, where they can find the film. Yeah, first off, man, thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate all the support, especially from the MMA community that we've had uh, from 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 Mask. Uh, it's really a grassroots campaign, so we're doing everything we can, kind of just like Charles did back in the day, just to just to get his story out there. Um, as far as contacting me, man, um, Twitter at Streetmade Team, Instagram at Streetmade Team, and uh, that's about it for me. Um, the film is on uh, Vimeo right now. You can check out our website at masklewis.com. You can also go to vimeo.com backslash or forward slash on demand forward slash mask movie. But um, the easiest would probably be go masklewis.com. You can click the purchase tab and uh, it's right there for you. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Shane. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I really appreciate everything, buddy. December 12th, the biggest fight in UFC featherweight history is finally on. Champion Jose Aldo takes on bitter rival interim champ Ireland's Conor McGregor. Only one will leave undisputed. Plus, undefeated middleweight champion Chris Whiteman puts his belt on the line against Luke Rockhold. Witness history live from MGM Grand Garden Arena, UFC 194, live on pay-per-view. She is known as unstoppable. She's 3-0 and in her professional mixed martial arts career, and she is only 19 years old. Please welcome Angela Lee of One Championship to Sucker Radio. Angela, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Jeremy. Nice to be here. So take us back a little. I'm out here on the West Coast in Canada. I hear you were born in Canada before making the trek over to uh, Hawaii. Yeah, um, actually, my parents, uh, my dad's from there, and um, that's where my parents had me and my brother. So I didn't move to, I was born in Vancouver, BC. Um, we moved around a couple of times until uh, moving over to Hawaii when I was seven. So you, you actually got your start in Vancouver. Nicely done. That's where we are right now. Uh, I'm chatting with you from my uh, studio in Vancouver. So that's pretty cool, sort of, uh, you know that were in the same vicinity as uh, where you were born. So just take us back to your amateur career. Uh, fairly short, I might say. 2014 was your only amateur fights, 3-0 and as an amateur. Um, how'd you get into the sport of MMA? Um, well, let's see. Uh, my parents are both martial artists, and um, so me and my brother, we actually grew up... Um, We've been on the, I've been on the mat since I was about three years old, and um, so I've been training and competing for my entire life. Um, yeah, I, right after I graduated high school, actually, in 2014, um, I turned 18 in the summer, and then I just started trying to find um, some amateur fights, and um, yeah, I got uh, three in until I got the call from one championship to be signed with them. So you, you yourself didn't choose to go pro? It was one that, that seeked you out? Yeah, so um, I, I didn't really know how many fights. Um, it was actually up to my dad to see how many amateur fights we wanted to get in before trying to, you know, um, get on that professional stage. 
Um, so luckily we got at least like three in and then um, get some experience. And then, um, yeah, one championship, which, which um, actually my dad contacted um, uh, one championship. And then from there, uh, yeah, we, we um, signed the papers. So you grew up in Hawaii. Um, your fights have been in Asia. Where Your majority of your training camp is with Evolve or, or are you training in Hawaii as well? Uh, yeah, so I recently um, got, um, I recently made the transition over to Singapore, um, and now I'm with um, Evolve MMA. Um, so I also have a gym back home in Hawaii. It's my family gym, United MMA. And uh, I split my time equally, so I train in Hawaii as well as coming over here to Singapore to train. Nice. Now, 3-0 and inside the one championship cage, um, all three fights in 2015. Fairly busy girl. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's kind of been back-to-back, but um, hey, I'm young and I'm healthy, so why not? And three first-round submission finishes as well. I mean, the is that what you're known for? Is, is that what you grew up with? Was the submission and ground and grappling? Or, or is this just something that came naturally to you once you got into mixed martial arts? Um, well, let's see. Growing up, um, there was a lot more grappling competitions that I participated in um, compared to maybe like kickboxing or, or Muay Thai. So uh, I think that's a little bit um, more why I feel comfortable, so comfortable on the ground. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I just love um, the submission game and just how, how uh, much thought you have to put into it, you know? It's not just you're swinging wildly. Now, one considers you the darling. They also say that you are, uh, you know, you're sort of their submission queen. Uh, what, what do you say to that? <laughs> well, I'm flattered. Um, I mean, I love submissions. I think that it's awesome because it's a fast way to finish your opponent and you don't really take as much damage but at the same time it's very technical and there's so much thought that goes into each technique um but yeah i mean um that's how i like to finish my opponents and um yeah so we'll see how it goes in the future i see in your amateur record though you do have a tko victory so you can't take anything away from your stand-up game either correct no, yeah, I, I do actually um, really enjoy the, the whole aspect of MMA and how diverse it is from the striking to, to the takedowns and grappling. So, yeah, of course, I'm not just, um, you know, one-dimensional fighter. I grew up training all areas of mixed martial arts, and um, I try to, um, you know, when people ask me what kind of fighter I am, I try to tell them I'm, I'm a mixed martial arts fighter, not just uh, a grappler. Of you, of all your opponents that you've faced, is uh, what, does one of them stand out as the toughest one that you've taken on? I mean, in between your pro and amateur bouts, are, is there one that stands out as your toughest fight to date? Um, there's not a particular fight that I really had to go into a war for. Uh, you know, after each of my fights, amateur and pro, there's always um, things that I, I take back from it. There's always things that I am able to learn and improve on. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, let's see, the the hardest and the, the best is yet to come. That's a great answer. Now, your last outing, Natalie Gonzalez-Hills. This one is what sort of put your face on the map. You pulled off a submission 
Um, one that's not pulled off all that often in mixed martial arts. Um, up here in North America in the UFC, it's only been pulled off once, and that is the twister. Is this something that you look for in the gym, or was it like, oh my god, I actually got this? Um, no, actually, yeah, it's something that I practiced uh, numerous times before going into this fight, um, even back in when I was in Hawaii. Uh, but, you know, me and my dad, we were talking, and um, we were like, you know, we analyzed her fight videos, and we're like, oh, you know, if it gets to the ground, I think that it would be really neat if you wanted to pull off this twister. So we just drilled it over and over and over. And um, literally, when I was warming up in the back, um, about to go out to fight, that was the last thing that I practiced, and so it was just it was just so awesome to pull it off um, in the fight. Sort of a blessing made to happen. I mean, the fact that you you were practicing it in the back, you get out into the cage, and it happens. How, how cool is that? <laughs> yeah, I was just overwhelmed, man. Like as soon as the ref stopped the match, I was just like, yes! Like I couldn't believe it happened. Do you pull it off in training as well? I mean, is it something, you said that you train it, but do you get it when you spar in the gym as well? Yeah, actually, I, I do. So that's why I felt very confident, um, you know, being able to um, actually nail it in, in training and in, in, um, so go out there. And, and that's why I was really confident when I tried to execute the submission. Now the twister is something that Eddie Bravo sort of invented. Is, that something, is he someone that you look up to in terms of grappling stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, of course, there's so many amazing submission specialists. I mean, uh, especially over here in Singapore, Evolve, um, one of my teammates, Shinya Aoki, he actually pulled it off as well. Yeah. Um, but actually the one, the person who inspired me or taught me to do this technique was my dad. And he, um, has a huge arsenal of, 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 um, techniques. And so he's the guy that helped me pull off this submission. Did, has your dad ever been in the cage? Uh, fortunately not. Um, MMA is so new, and um, so since he started his family young, and he was mostly coaching. But yeah, he's an amazing coach. Now, no doubt about it, he would be an amazing fighter too. <laughs> <laughs> December eleventh, you'll take on Lena. I'm not going to try to attempt to say her last name. Um, a similar <laughs> record, similar record to yours. She's three and one. Um, fourth fight in 2015. What do you know about her, and and what do you think she brings to the table that your past opponents haven't? All right, yeah. So Lena, what one thing about her? She she's aggressive. Um, she's a well-rounded fighter, just like Natalie. Actually, um, you know, has some experience, and um, she's won two of her fights by submission, one by. Um, a knockout. So I think that it's going to be an exciting fight. I think that, um, you know, it's always, it's always, um, really exciting to see uh, a women's MMA fight. And, um, hopefully, you know, we can show everyone, you know, what, what we got. So it'll be good. Now, the coolest thing about this, uh, I posted it on MMASucker.com. It got a lot of fanfare is the fact that your brother Christian is going to be on this card as well. Um, how cool is it that he's making his debut on the same card that you're fighting on? Oh my God, it's it's so awesome! I can't even um, find the words to describe it. Uh, we've been training with each other from like baby days until now, and it's just um, it's so great to be able to have the opportunity to um, to do this together and to showcase our skills on such a big stage like one championship. 
Now, he holds many titles uh, under his name. He's, he's a grappling specialist. He's got pancreation uh, championships. Uh, just explain to our listeners what, ex- what they can expect to see when he enters that cage. I mean, he sounds like he's going to put on a show. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, like I was saying to someone earlier, you know, if you guys thought I was good, you know, wait till you see my brother. He's just um, another, he's just, I don't know, something else. He's a beast. Uh, when he gets in that cage, it's going to be nothing but fireworks, and um, you guys will definitely be entertained. And you don't hear guys to, that making their pro debut is as young as he is. What, what made him choose to take that next step to become a pro? Um, ah, he's been training his whole life for this, just like I have. And, um, he wants it so bad. He, he wants to be a world champion and, you know, the younger you start, the more experience you have. And he's just, um, seizing this opportunity and going to make the best out of it. Yeah. You two are easily, I mean, 19 and and he's 17, correct? Yeah. (laughs) Easily the future of mixed martial arts right there. And, and as siblings, it's, it's got to be something that's very tough to sort of wrap your head around. I mean, at that age, how do you keep so grounded? Um, it's something that my parents has helped us, um, since we were young, you know, just teaching us the right values, um, just to be humble people. And, um, I mean, we love, we love to train. We love to fight. We love mixed martial arts. And that's why we're doing this, you know, I mean, it's, we're just following our dreams. So four fights in 2015 after this upcoming one, December 11th. What does 2016 hold for Angela Lee? What are your goals? Uh, what do you look forward to? What, what's on the horizon for you in 2016? Oh, man, I'm so excited for next year. I know it's going to be filled with um, a lot of exciting things, and there's going to be big things in store. Um, I'm just hoping to stay busy, uh, train hard, and hopefully, you know, good things are going to come. That was so vague. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea what's what's in store, uh, what my fight schedule will be like. Um, hopefully, um, I know there's no women's champion in, in uh, one championship yet. Um, that's one thing for sure. And, uh, that's one of my goals. I don't know if it's going to be next year. Um, I'm hoping to just, you know, finish all my fights very impressively, very dominant and, um, hopefully getting a shot at that title soon. Really? How could you deny yourself a title if you're four and oh inside the one cage with all first round stoppages? (laughs) Well, that's what I'm going for. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, uh, is four fights something that that you would like to have in 2016 as well? Or is that schedule a little bit too busy for you? No, I mean, I don't think it's too busy. Uh, just I was speaking with my, my dad about it, and we just think as long as I'm healthy and, um, you know, I'm in the right mindset, yeah, I mean, why not? Why not? I have to ask, uh, you, as I said, and you said as well, first-round stoppages is, is sort of your thing that you've had for your whole career. In the gym, do you ever get punished in the gym? I mean, we, we haven't seen you take much punishment inside the cage at all. So in the gym, are you taking some brutality or, or what? I mean, we don't, we don't get to see that. Yeah, I mean, definitely, man. And the gym is where you grind and you get all your hard rounds in so that when you go out and fight, it's just nothing but um, it's easy, you know? So you train hard, fight easy, and and that's how it goes. Definitely, I get hard rubs from the guys in the gym. (laughs) I I read in an interview um, that I saw in the past that you could easily move up in weight or move down in weight. Is, Is that something that you do plan on doing? 
Um, yeah. So right now, my natural division is straw weight. Um, the cut is is easy to 115. Um, I want to accomplish my goals. Um, you know, my first goal uh, being, you know, the champion here at straw weight. Um, so. You know, who knows what can happen in the future. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But, yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable fighting um, one division up or down. And uh, that would that could be exciting, you know, uh, multiple um, division champion. So, yeah, I don't think any girl has that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Not many people get to stake claim with a multi-division champion uh, sort of status. Yeah, I mean, definitely it's going to be difficult, um, but, you know, I got big goals, big dreams, and just working hard. <laughs> now, I, I don't want to take away from one championship by any means because they're a fantastic organization. They put on great events, but you are American. Is fighting in front of your American crowd something that you would like to do within your career? Uh, <laughs> of course, man. Um, yeah, you know, one championship is amazing, and... And I think they actually are planning on expanding um, to their shows in the future. So hopefully, you know, I know that UFC is is dominating North America right now, but um, we'll see. I mean, there's, I don't know. I don't know whether you were <laughs> supposed to say that or not. <laughs> no, I mean, no, it's true, though. Uh, you know, there's no doubt about it. One championship is kind of, you know, the king of Asia right now, and, and um, they're slowly expanding you know, um, more and more. So we'll see. We'll see in the future. Well, for sure. I mean, they're putting on what, what have they had two fight cards a month for the last like three months now. And, and it sounds like they're going to be pushing forward with those in 2016 as well. So you could be a fairly busy girl. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think they have a lot lined up for me, so I'm, I'm ready for it. Your, your contract is obviously a multi-fight contract is your brother's as well. Yes. Perfect. Can't wait to see you guys both inside the cage again, December 11th in Manila. Have you been to Manila before? Uh, yeah, I have. Uh, it's an awesome place, and I love the Philippines. It's some place that my family goes quite often, actually, so we're looking forward to it. So, you, you know, you said your family gym is in Hawaii. Does your whole family make the trek to evolve to Singapore when you go over there to train, or is it just you? Yeah, actually, every time we fly over to Singapore, um, the whole family comes. It's it's funny. I have two other little siblings, and they also train um, mixed martial arts as well. So, yeah, it's a whole family affair. You just can't get away from them, eh? <laughs> nah, we're tight. We're tight. <laughs> she is Angela Lee. She will take on Lena something on December 11th at one championship in Manila, Philippines. Angela, it's been a pleasure uh, just let people know where they can keep up with you in the social media universe and any sponsor shout-outs you'd like to give. The floor is yours. All right, um, guys, you can follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, um, and my athlete page on Facebook. Um, shout-out to my sponsors, Under Armour and Nutrition Depot. Um, and uh, tune in to watch me fight December 11. It's going to be exciting. Angela, all the best. Yeah, definitely tune in on December 11th. Good luck, and good luck. I hope you, all your dreams come true in uh, 2016. Oh, thank you so much, Jeremy. What a great interview with Angela Lee. Unstoppable. Makes her return to the cage on December 11th. Um, and we'll see if she can get another first-round submission. Her brother also steps inside the cage that same night 
at just 17 years of age. Should be exciting. December 11th, Manila Philippines won championship. Thank you to her for joining me. Thank you to Shane Teeter for stopping by. He is the executive producer of Mask. Uh, If you haven't checked it out, head on over to Vimeo and uh, type in Mask. You'll find it. You can rent it or buy it. And it is a fantastic documentary about Charles Mask Lewis. I highly, highly suggest checking it out. So thank you to those two for joining me. Thank you to you guys for listening. Thank you to my sponsors ProAmBelts.com FloatHouse.ca as well as Unique Kennels who are breeding some of the best bulldogs in North America. Check them out on Twitter at UniqueKennels71 So that's about that for this episode. With that, I'm out. I'm the evangelist spreading the news of MMA, the number one candidate. Calibrate levels of greatness as we collaborate. Mikey Ruckus, Jeremy Brandis, we reactivate. Grant creates the show for the fans and it's magnanimous. Jury's out decision and the yes, it's unanimous. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show where you can stream online. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. Out.